Hey, Jeb. Oh, hey, John. Do you want to talk about Toy Story? Yeah. Sounds like a really good idea. But, like, talk about it a lot. Going in detail with each given minute in Toy Story? Yeah, but can we talk about why Woody has teeth even though he wasn't made with them? I don't see why not. Only if we can talk about the importance of plastic corrosion awareness. Only if we can talk about how Sid is not really a bad kid. Let me ask you this, though. Can we talk about strong lesbian moms? Can we talk about using the sad song from Toy Story 2 as a test to see if people are robots? I like that idea. So, come listening to us talk about Toy Story five times a week on Toy Story Minute. Find it on Dueling Genre or your podcast app of choice. If you listen, you'll be my favorite deputy. You've got a friend in us? Both of us, yeah. Nice. Dueling Genre Welcome everyone to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, the daily podcast where we are watching the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie one rat slapping minute at a time. See, I thought of that one ahead of time. <laughs> I am your host, Scott Tofty. We are on minute number 49. With me as always, Chris O'Connor. Hey, Rachel Gatlin. Hi. And Adam Sheehan. Yo. I felt like giving you a cool voice today. Oh, and um, then he ruined it. I'll take it. And he ruined it, but. I'll wait, take how it. Do you know? It's fine. It's good. And uh, our very special guest from over there at the Savage Land podcast, Mr. Jason Hammonds. Welcome back, sir. Ah, uh, thank you. Good yeah, to be back. four days in a row. We haven't scared you off yet. Not quite yet. I mean, never say never, but uh, thus far it's going okay. <laughs> I'll try harder. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said so to my ex-girlfriend, f- am I right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that I, I, I scared. I scared. I scared her off. Oh, <laughs> um, minute number 49 starts with Shredder barreling down the hallway West Wing style with purpose <laughs> and uh, ends with uh, Tatsu throwing the mother of all hissy fits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so let's get right into it. I love this this handheld shot of Shredder sort of doing the whole I can't remember the guy's name now that writes the West Wing. Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin, doing this whole like Sorkin walking down the hall, turning the corners while the camera's in front of you thing. Can we just say that Steve Barron, you know, maybe patented that first? Maybe Sorkin <laughs> stole it from Ninja Turtles? No. Maybe. He, he looks so mad. He, lo- he looks like he's saying, I'm going to unplug every single one of those goddamn video games <laughs> until these turtles are found. <laughs> you are all no grounded. More teenage lair for you guys. <laughs> it's a very furious uh, close up that he gonna had there. going to break the half pipe. <laughs> oh, man. Jason, we spent an episode a couple weeks ago naming all the little hoodlums inside of the uh, oh, wow. Foot Clan bunker. <laughs> Kyle, that, is that was a fun one. I highly encourage you to go back and take a listen to that one when you get a minute. <laughs> I shall. Get it? Get a minute? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or but yeah, Shredder definitely walking with purpose. And I have to say, the interaction, the acting between Shredder and the splinter puppet is amazing. This mm-hmm. is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. <laughs> um, if for no other reason, then I totally forget that the rat is a puppet. I forget that he's threatening somebody's hand. Like, yeah. it's, it's someone's hand in a sock is what he's talking to. And it's so believable. And the splinter puppet is so beat up. And it, like, 
you can see in Splinter's eyes the resolve of like I'm not gonna give in to this guy. Like I'm so beaten, I'm so battered, but I'm just not giving up. And somehow the Shredder is able to channel so much anger for this like foam rubber yak hair covered rat puppet. <laughs> well, it's it's also it's, it's so also. Good. It also shows how good the puppetry is. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if yeah. you can have a scene where an actor can forget that they're talking to a puppet, that's that's mostly good puppetry. Like, if you look at um, Sesame Street, those kids know that there's a guy under that puppet, but they're talking to the puppet. Yeah. Right. That's, that's good puppetry. Yeah. But, I mean, absolutely. it's Kevin Clash. I mean, he's one of the best. Yeah, I mean, aside was, from aside some of the from, things that he may or may yeah. not have done, well, listen, that has nothing what, what to do with. What he did, may or may not anyway. have done, does not take away from how talented he was as a puppeteer. Right, yeah. it could question the content of his character a little bit, but he did a hell of a job as a performer in in this film and every other piece of work that he did. Uh, he's yeah, he's yeah, one he was of the a best, great puppeteer. Really. Um, and I, I just it mesmerizes me how believable every little facial tick is, every little eye movement. And I know it's not Kevin Clash doing all the the eye movements and the servos and stuff. So credit to whoever was working the animatronics on Splinter as well. It it, it just this is the best scene with this this rat in the movie. I think. Yeah, it looks mm-hmm. very lifelike. Good. And I he mean, doesn't even say anything. Yeah, and even even today you forget that that's a puppet. Like it's it's so totally wet transfixing, and messy. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the thing that kills me about the Michael Bay movies and about any CG movie, like even to a degree, like you look at Rogue One and you look at what they did with Grand Moff Tarkin and it's like you can still kind of t- as good as it is. It's still not 100 percent right. There is something about a dude in a suit or mm. like a physical thing that you can touch and see on screen that I think is always going to be just inherently more believable. Mm-hmm. You're able to suspend your disbelief a little bit more than you are with CG characters, yeah, in so, my opinion. The uh, CG characters have this kind of weightlessness. Your they kind of have this weightlessness to them that's always bothered me. Like, they almost look like they're in a fish tank. Yeah, and they tend to have yeah. their own light source. <clears throat> yeah. Chris, Chris, you don't agree with me. I would like to hear you. I, I, let, let's d- debate me on this one. I, 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 think that, I think that this is an excellent piece of practical effects. I think the puppet is great. I think, you know, the, the scene is great. But the statement that, you know, practical is always going to be better is not that's that's that is an absolute I can't get behind because as we've seen um you know with even even like good stuff from like the 70s 80s 90s where the practical effects are on point and you watch the movie you know at the time and you're like oh wow that's great you watch it on VHS you're like oh that's great on DVD you're still like oh yeah that's great but then you get to the blu-ray and you're like <laughs> hey wait a second and then you get to the 4K transfer and you're like I see that zipper so well, I'll yeah, give you this. Like, that's why it is not always better and does not necessarily always hold up. Like even even with like uh, I don't know if anybody else is listening to like the Lord of the Rings minute, but like uh, you know that stuff from just 15 years ago where there was a lot of intermixing between digital and practical. Sure, a lot of the digital doesn't hold up, but even uh, well, I mean, a lot of it does. Most of the Lord of the Rings effects are still flipping excellent um but even some of the practical stuff like granted most of it does hold up but some practical effects don't and it's not sure they're just not inherently better and if you look at if you look at like the new planet of the apes movies you there's no way you could make those movies with practical effects the cgi work the motion capture work on those is astounding but my point is not that one is better than the other it's that but you said that you 
Well, okay. I mean, if, so if let you me, wanna... allow me to clarify. Hang on. Let me clarify. There is something more believable about practical. It is, it is to me, I always feel like when I'm looking at CG, I'm always like, wow, that CG is amazing. It's so good, but it's CG. To me, for, for me personally, I am much more, uh, I guess, emotionally connected to things that I know are real and tangible on a, on a set. Mm-hmm. I now, guess. It, it, but then it, you it, know you, that it's a real thing there in that space. And similar to your uh, your awareness of something being CG in a space, you're aware that the thing is a puppet or a piece of you know practical effect in the space. And I you're think willing it's easier to accept for me to that for, more. Forget that but, fact. I don't know. It's a, it's a very weird line to walk. And you bring up a great point. But to me, like, if I narrow it to this example, this splinter to me is much more believable than the Michael Bay splinter. That's well, what I, that's that's, what I that's, wanted to do. That's more Michael Bay's fault than anything else. Yeah. That, that's what I wanted to bring it back to. Like, if you want to do apples to apples, I mean, this splinter yes. versus versus this, the CG splinter. This splinter versus I, CG splinter, this splinter wins. But at, at the same time, though, I think that uh, while also comparing apples to apples, if you look at the actual uh, turtles in the Michael Bay movies, and I know the first ones, like mm. the, the turtles in the first movie, they're a bit hulking and they're a bit, like, ridiculous. In the second one, they kind of toned it back a bit, and I have my problems with the second movie, but I think that the turtles in that movie were pretty freaking good and i i honestly yeah. think that you couldn't do like that that you shouldn't really do a live action turtles movie with practical turtles again yeah I, also what they did with krang in the second one like I, I i have a lot of bad things to say about the second michael bay turtles but i think they kind of nailed krang yeah. in a way i still that, wish they had gotten pat fraley to come in and do the krang voice because yeah. he's still out there doing voiceovers like why couldn't you have gotten yeah. him Granted, Brad, I guess Brad Gray did Krang, and we actually just got a tweet from uh, people. I, I posted on our Twitter about this at TMNT Minute, and we actually got a response back saying, like, you know, I said, I wish uh, uh, Pat Fraley would have been Krang in the new movie. And someone's like, don't you think Brad Gray did a great job? I'm like, yeah, he did a good job, but he's he's not Krang. Like, Krang is yeah. – he's that- still out there. <laughs> Pat Fraley's still out there. He can still do this. That voice is almost impossible to, to mimic. It's there, There's exactly. so much going yeah. on in that voice. It's it's both high and low at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's so hard like to Popeye. do. Yeah, it's like Popeye. Yeah, man. There's Jason. the up and down at this – or, like, Meatwad kind of has that yeah. same kind of thing where he's doing a high and low voice, but at the same time. But getting back on the whole um, practical versus – CG. I would take puppet Yoda over CGI Yoda I, any day. Any day. Yeah. I think a part. I think a part of that is that CGI Yoda. They well, George just did this. Mr. Lucas. George Lucas. I'm not on first name basis with George Lucas. <laughs> Mr. Lucas. <laughs> Mr. Lucas went a little. He went way overboard. I think CG Yoda was not that bad until he became this bouncing little lightsaber yeah. wielding beach yeah. like he, he went all um, ninja. And, and yeah, you like can, just a second you can ago, say... Jason got Jason made a great point. It's like the uh as much as uh you know practical effects splinter in the nineteen ninety movie is better than the CG splinter that comes later like the practical effects turtles as great as they are, as awesome as they are as puppets you can see the seams so much, so often. We can see their eyes in the mouths. The digital turtles in the new movies are actually pretty good. Yeah. I, I got I to gotta hand it to them on that one. That's a good thing to point out, and I, I'm kind of surprised I didn't think of it. I, I don't want to go into this too much more because I think <laughs> this is a great conversation for a weekend show. Mm. Um, more specifically dealing with this 
topic, but there was some fan art that was circulating before the Michael Bay movie came oh, yeah. out. I know what you're talking about. Had, oh, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Had amazing turtle well, designs, and if they had gone in that direction, I would have been much more accepting of what they did. But I just I don't like the design of the Michael Bay turtles. I think they're way too big and way too weird looking. I agree that mm-hmm. those those designs were really cool, and I think that as far as designs go, yeah, they could definitely do some work. But I think as far as the quality and the believability of the CGI. Um, I think that those turtles were f- like felt like they had weight. They they felt believable on screen. You know the lighting and all that stuff. It looked really good. Yeah. Uh, I I I, I still prefer my puppets, but that's just me. I do I do really like uh, what they did with Donatello in in the Michael Bay movies. Yeah. I yeah. I really enjoy. It. Like he he has like the the glasses. I I like that he has uh, tortoise shell. Classic frame glasses. I thought that was a nice touch. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting too far down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so, well, let's pull it back in a minute, number 49 here. Uh, after Shredder does this whole, you know, he threatens Splinter and he does this line and he says, So hang there until you die. Well, and not the way just he that. says die has always resonated with me. I love until his voice dumb. almost cracks. He's almost like so angry that his voice like gives out <laughs> under the weight of his anger. Die. But it's not just like that not just that line where he he goes up and he and, he, and he's like all oh, what are these freaks? And it's like you're asking a giant rat. <laughs> yeah, what the freaks. I'm like, well, uh, this is such a dumb question. Mm-hmm. It just it just seems so strange. It's like, what sort of an answer do you expect from the anthropomorphic man-sized rat? <laughs> My new band name, by the way. Explain this to me, large the anthropomorphic rat. man-sized rat. <laughs> just man-sized rat, I think is good. Man-sized rat. Man-sized rat, <laughs> man-sized rat mouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, or mouse rat so if you're a Parks and Rec mouse fan. Rat. Mouse rat. That's that's what I was getting at. Bye, bye, little Sebastian. <laughs> I have a mouse rat t-shirt. It's the pride of my collection. Uh, That's awesome. Nice. Awesome. Um so Shredder threatens Splinter. Splinter doesn't talk. The puppet looks great. Shredder goes back over to Tatsu. And I also really liked uh uh Tatsu's performance here because Shredder just looks at him and you get this profile shot of Shredder staring a hole through Tatsu, and Tatsu won't even make eye contact. He's so just kind of disappointed in you. He just looks down and just accepts his shame that he wasn't able to get the job done Ta- back in the antique shop. Tatsu, Gee, Tatsu brought, it's almost as though you should have done something. He's, he's brought he's brought shame to family. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he can't even look at Shredder. Like he can't even look at him. Yeah, and you know that he's just stewing because as soon as Shredder's out of view, he pirouettes and his cape goes twirling and he throws the monster of all hissy fits. He's knocking over boxes, he, empty he's boxes, screaming. Yeah, he's going yeah. full Christian Bale. Oh my God! <laughs> he also Absolutely. curses. Get out of my flipping lights! He you curses in Japanese. Does he? I don't know if he says damn or shit. Depending on which anime you watch, it changes. But he says like this phrase. Like, I don't actually know what it is. Japanese so, swear words. Yeah, yeah, but I never caught there, that. That's super swearing. Like, k- kuso or something? Kuso, I don't yeah, know. Kuso is kind of like, yeah. like bastard. Yeah. Oh, that's what he says. But, when he, yeah. See, I thought he was just like exhaling. That's really interesting. That oh, changes... He the says whole dynamic, yeah, knowing he's, it's he's, a swear. He's cursing and just being a big, giant baby boy. Did you guys notice? So, and then we get in. I, I was just going to ask, did you guys notice that as he walks into the room to start flipping out, that like one of the foot soldiers, you can hear just like a faint, 
what? It's like there's just like this weird like uh, like halfway defeated what that's just like really low in the background. I like if that was intentional, if that was like an intentional reaction that they had planned out or rehearsed or whatever, then that's weird because that was like super quiet and like barely in. I don't know. It's it's just an odd moment when he's walking in. So this is the scene, this little hissy fit in the uh, the locker room. This is a legendary scene because there's there's urban legend that the foot soldier that Tatsu beats up died on set. (laughs) No. Do we know for sure that he didn't? I think no. I, I'm trying to remember. I think he did get injured. And I think when you see, I, I could be wrong about this. So if someone out there listening can, can verify this to us on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, please do. I believe that as he's, you know, knocking stuff over the, I guess it's in the next minute that it happens. Maybe we need to wait. Um, but there is a foot soldier that he starts beating up in the next minute. And the reaction to that, I think is real. And then they incorporate it into the film. Um, there's a really weird cut that happens in this minute, though. So right when he tips over the rack of axes, which is my other new band the, name. The Prosciutto? <laughs> rack I was about to say, that's a badass the, band name. Right? Rack of axes. When he tips that over, it cuts to the opposite angle of the room, but it does so in a way that it looks like you're still looking at the same part of the room. Mm. It just looks yeah. like the actors have moved. Like there's a bench in the same spot. There's lockers in the same spot. You can see the corner of the wall on the left-hand side of the frame in the same spot. So it's almost like a, a cut where the actors all change position, but the camera doesn't. And oh. it's just a really weird choice a for weird a cut. Thing. And if also, you, I mean, when you look closely, you can see there's like a tipped over locker. So you can kind of be like, oh, now I get, I can, I can orient myself if I really watch. But when you just sort of view it it's just a little jarring to me because it doesn't it's not really a great cut it's one of those things that you only notice when you're watching a movie one minute at a time Mm -hmm. oh my god exactly you have no idea like i so the movie that we did minute by minute night of the living dead it was an indie film made in 1968 like yeah there's a lot of bad (laughs) in that movie like like especially because almost everything was like one or two takes like they just because they didn't want to have to spend more money on film and so everything was like one take and so like the the amount of like continuity errors and like weird cuts and like odd adr like it it was unbelievable is that the one in the mall i i've been there i've I've shot i've shot movies on 16 millimeter film like every second the camera's rolling dollar signs are going off in your head because that's that's just money that you're you're pumping through the camera oh totally it's and especially i mean especially today dude like super 8 film is so expensive today yeah dude it's nuts and processing is even is even worse i actually my my student film i had to shoot twice yep because I found out the it, this is totally like out of a joke that you would hear about film school. But I, I shot the entire movie with the uh, shutter closed. <laughs> oh my so God. so I, I get a oh, I, wow. I get a film. How did you do I, that? I get a phone call from the film processing plant. They're like, yeah, uh, we have good news and bad news. The good news is your film is processed and ready to be oh. paid for and picked up. The bad news is there's literally nothing on it. <laughs> That's like the closest to a full-blown panic attack I think I've ever reached in my whole life. It was the worst. Oh, my God. That's awful. How much film did you have? That was 500 feet of film. But 
Yeah, you know, the, the, and there was 16. That was 16 millimeter. So how'd you do in that 500 class? feet. I, I got it incomplete, and then I went back and shot it again. Well, mm-hmm. first, I, I took it incomplete. I had to shoot it on video so that I could have something to edit when we were in the editing suite. Then, then over the summer, I had to shoot it again a third time on film oh, and then re-edit oh. it and then redo everything. And then I think I got, like, a B just for perseverance at that point because <laughs> the, the final product was just, like, like we have one one shot to get this. Just, like, one it was awful. And it, on top of it all, it was a horror film about someone making deviled eggs. It was called, <laughs> oh. it was called, it was called Mephisto's Dozen. It, it, if there was ever more of a, a student film wow. than that. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my film school story. <laughs> well, we invite everyone to join us next time on Mephisto's Dozen Minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, there will not be a Mephisto's Does Dozen Does that still minute. exist somewhere? Uh, it's in a DVD somewhere in this mm. house. Oh, and I, I have the negatives somewhere. Ah. The infamous <laughs> negatives of that film. Good um, grief. That, that pretty much does it for me on 49. There's not a mm-hmm. whole lot much else I wanted to say about that one. Are you guys good? I have a couple points. Okay, let's, let's round this out. Go for it. First of all, the Foot Clan has a locker room. How, yeah. how, how many... Uh, <laughs> Towel hiney slaps, do you think happen in this locker room? Do, do you think there's them. a lot of horseplay? All of them. I bet if they happen, they're super accurate. <laughs> yeah, they're like really good. Towel panic snaps. at the dojo interrupted all the towel towel slapping fun. <laughs> <laughs> panic at the dojo, I like it. Also, I like to think that this is Tatsu's version of a halftime locker room pep talk. Yeah, he just does this every day. <laughs> Toxic so masculinity. Go, go. This is how I encourage you. We're getting crushed out there. These and turtles are just mopping the floor with us. And on the days he doesn't do it, they're all like, is Tatsu mad at us? Did we, did we do something wrong? He hasn't nearly killed anyone in like five days. Does he not love us anymore? I wanted that surrogate father so bad. Um, there's a couple kids in the locker room, upon rewatching now, that just are totally freaked out by all this stuff. There's like a bunch of foot soldiers and then just a bunch of like the punk kids. Yeah. Like there's like just, one, <laughs> there's like one punk rocker who's like, Oh man, I was just smoking weed in here. I'm just going to, I'll leave. <laughs> you guys are going to be having a, a thing. They just kind of scoot out like, whoop, we're not yeah. supposed to really be here. <laughs> we're um, just we here weren't for the part video of the games. mission. <laughs> we were just meeting up with some of the guys for burgers afterwards. <laughs> Don't want to get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Is that it? We good? Yeah, I That's think so. Right. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, okay. So, listen, we're going to call it a day on 49. We're going to come back with 50 tomorrow. It's going to be Friday. Woo. And uh, I want to invite everyone to head over to moviesbyminutes.com. Check out all the other great Movies by Minutes podcast. Uh, Jason, is yours up on that site, Living Dead Minutes? Absolutely it is. Awesome. There you go. So you can go listen to Jason over there. Uh, you can listen to a, a bunch of great stuff, all kinds of, if there's a movie that you like, chances are there's a by minutes podcast of it. And if there isn't start it, make it, mm-hmm. we did. As <laughs> did we. Yeah. Uh, At least so not we will, <laughs> we will see you tomorrow on Friday for minute number 50. Jason's last day with us. Aww. Aww. And, uh, I know <laughs> it's sad. And uh, I'm just glad I haven't called you Mike yet. Hey, I am too. (laughs) I'll be honest. 
there's, there's, <laughs> there's always time. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye. 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 Cowboy Biddly Bunga.